This is episode 773, another inspiring conversation. Today, I'm talking with Tracy McCubbin on her book, Making Space Clutter Free. Guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. Cheers. G'day and welcome to this week's interview, guys. I hope you're well. I hope you're having a kick-ass day wherever you are in this beautiful world of ours. Today, guys, I am talking with Tracy McCubbin. Now, she has recently written a book which is ready to be published and the title of the book is Making Space Clutter-Free, the last book on decluttering you'll ever need. Now, Tracy has been in this industry, this profession of helping people declutter and clear space uh, for, for a couple of decades now, 13 plus years, I believe. So she has a little bit of a knack for helping people really get through the emotional attachment to their clutter. What we realize is that a lot of the clutter and the stuff we own ends up owning us. A lot of the clutter in our lives, the things that we live with every day, we may not even be aware of how greatly it's affecting our lives, how greatly it's affecting our performance and our ability to really do the things that we want to do, constantly managing our clutter. What we do with this interview is talk about how we identify that we have a clutter issue and then going through some of the emotional blocks. Now, Tracy has seven emotional blocks that she believes uh, holds us in place being attached to our clutter. So we talk about them and guys, hopefully in the end, share some practical insights on how we can all overcome our clutter, declutter, and make some space so we can live the life that we truly want to live. It's a great interview, guys. You can find all the links in the show notes at thehiddenwire.com. This is episode 773. If you'd like to support the show, you can by picking up a copy of the book using the link in the show notes. Enjoy the interview. Cheers. G'day, Tracy, and welcome to The Hidden Wire Podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. And I just, I've just got to ask you, have you made some space? Are you clutter-free ready for this interview? Uh, you know, it's funny. My <laughs> boyfriend just moved into a new apartment, so I have been decluttering and making space all day for him. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, wow. So look, that's a good, good uh, legway into your, into your work. Um, you are the author of Making Space Clutter-Free, the last book on decluttering you'll ever need, um, which is a big call. And uh, it is due to be published, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, on June the 4th, 2019. Correct. That's good. And so uh, tell us, tell us a little bit about your work and, and what got you to the point of writing this book. Uh, that's a fantastic question. So I have been a professional declutterer. I call myself a declutterer as opposed to just an organizer for 12 years. And I have worked with thousands and thousands of clients. I recently did my Malcolm Gladwell, you know, 10,000 hours to being an expert. And I, I lapped that a couple of times. That's so wow. Is, have, that, is that an actual <laughs> profession then? Uh, being a declutterer? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I have a very successful business based in Los Angeles. I have six people who work with me and we do everything. Uh, we joke, we do everything from helping celebrities homes look gorgeous to cleaning out a house from a dead hoarder. So we, we, we cover it all. Um, interesting. So I've been, yeah. So, uh, I've been working with clients for about 12 years now and I just kept seeing, I kept seeing people hit up, hitting up against blocks. They just couldn't get through their attachment to their stuff. And after a couple of years, patterns started to emerge. And I saw that everybody hit up against really the same seven emotional blocks. And, and I identified them and then I kept seeing them over and over again. And it motivated me to write this book. 
and it's been getting fantastic response and people who have pre-read it, you know, I've been getting emails where people say, that's me, or I thought I was the only one that had trouble with, you know, letting go of stuff of my grandparents that passed away. So mm. I'm really excited to take what I've learned in the field in, with my clients and make it available to other people who are having trouble with their clutter. Yeah, well, a lot of us do. I mean, I'm, I'm, I sort of, I'm a little bit proud, I suppose. I believe that I'm, I'm pretty organized and try to live minimally and clutter free. Uh, as I look around my desk, there's, there's still a lot of stuff on my desk. Um, so I'm sure uh, a lot of people are in the same situation. And I certainly believe that uh, a clutter free environment allows us to operate uh, more freely and uh, more productively as well. But look, we'll talk all about that. I've got to ask you, how did you get into this profession of becoming a professional declutterer? Is it something that you, you know, had the dream of being a declutterer when you were a child or like what, what's the process there? You know, I really backed into it. I was a per- I had done a lot of um, office work. I'd sort of been a, a secretary and an assistant and I, for about 10 years, I was a personal assistant to two different people and I just kept helping them with these funny projects. And then their friends would call me because as a personal assistant, you're a problem solver. And I kept getting what I like to call the problem children, people who were, you know, somebody's business who had failed and they were up to their neck in paperwork and they couldn't sort through it. Or somebody else that we had to do this forensic bookkeeping on their family's rental properties. And I, I just, I had a knack for sort of seeing the emotional part of it, that it wasn't, it was more than just let's suff, su- shuffle these papers around. Mm. So a friend of mine, I, you know, I was, wasn't even really charging people a, a nominal fee and doing it on the side and on weekends. And a friend of mine said, you know, I think you have a business. And I was like, what? No, this is just, this is just something I do to help people out. And he's like, no, no, I really think you have a business. So I came up with a business name. My company is called Declutterfly. And I sort of sent a little email out and that was 12 years later. And, uh, you know, I've been busy ever since I booked six weeks in advance and I've never had a, a slow period. So it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Def- yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was really built out of, um, it was really built out of thin air. And then another component of the, my history is I'm the child of a hoarder. My father is a diagnosed hoarder and I had other family a diagnosed that- hoarder. Mm-hmm. How do you yeah. get to be a diagnosed hoarder? It's a it's a disorder. It's an anxiety disorder. Not Is that- um, not yeah not dissimilar. They used to think it was a uh, a subset of obsessive compulsive disorder, and now they're realizing it stands on its own. It's often linked with OCD, um, but it's very close to agoraphobia. It's any kind of you know, it's very similar to any disorder that you people use to manage their anxiety. So I uh, grew up with a couple other family members. So I saw the effect of what the extreme grip of people's attachment to their stuff did for them. So I went into this business with a, a really different lens on it than a lot of people. Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, I'm just thinking of decluttering and I think, you know, as a business, um, you just walk in and say, yep, this is what we do and, you know, get rid of it all. But I guess there is a huge emotional connection there, um, which goes unseen. Uh, about Absolutely. Why we, we hoard and, and build up clutter in our environments. You know, I was just working, um, I was working with a, a gentleman this week and he was, you know, it seems so simple. He was like, I, I just need some ideas to sort my, you know, my surf equipment. And he's a very smart man and 
he just, I watched him just get wrapped around sort of the decision-making process. And he's like, I'm just so scared of making the wrong decision. Mm. And, you know, and I thought, well, okay, that's interesting. So let's unpack that, realize that there's no wrong decision here and how, what works the best for your life. So, you know, in my book, I talk about the seven emotional clutter blocks that we all hit up against. And, you know, to give an example, a big one that's come up for me with clients recently is what I call clutter block number six, trapped with other people's stuff. And that is when you have an abundance of things you have been inherited or gifted from other people that really have no intrinsic monetary value, but you know, your grandmother left it to you or your Mm. mother left it to you. And how can you get rid of it? But you hate it. And, you know, and so you sort of go down this rabbit hole of attachment to these items you've imbued with meaning, Mm. but yet you don't want them in your life. Yeah, right. Hmm. I can certainly so, relate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you take, for instance, furniture is such a great example. You know, the kind of furniture we need today and we use today is so different than, you know, you look at desks. It's like the old little secretaries can't hold a computer, but people are like, oh, well, it was my grandmother's. I can't possibly get rid of it. Hmm. Well, do you, do you use it? No. Do you like it? No. Are you paying to store it? Yes. Then why can't you get rid of it? Well, it was my grandmother's. And I'm like, Okay, so let's, you know, let's pull that apart. The attachment to the memory or the feeling is getting in the way of you having a home or an office that runs smoothly. Yeah, wow. So there's a lot more to it than just going in there and say, yep, let's clear this out. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's time with the person and and really connecting them emotionally with that attachment and and trying to detach. Exactly. And, you know, I always say by the time a client calls me and I'm hopefully someone picks up my book, something is not working. Something in their life and their relationship to their stuff isn't working. This isn't, you know, I'm not writing about, you know, I think your home should look perfect this way. And I think you should post pictures on Instagram. It's, it's things like you can't find your bills to pay them. You can't cook yourself a healthy and delicious dinner because your kitchen counters are too crowded. You can't get dressed in the morning and out the door in a reasonable amount of time because you can't find your clothes because your closet and dressers are overflowing. So it's a combination of too much stuff and ability to let go and, um, you know, realizing putting systems and having less stuff to make your life run smoother. Yeah. Well said to make your life run smoother. Cause it's, it's often the stuff in our lives that, that gets in they're the roadblocks, I suppose, in, in, achieving and performing as we would really like to. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it seems such a a silly one, but I, so many of my clients, you know, lose their keys all the time. And, and I'm like, well, how, you know, how often, what, what is that like for you? And they're like, well, I spend probably 10 minutes a day looking for my keys. And I think, Okay, that's yeah, wow. 10 minutes a day. That's a that I've done the math. That's a weekend over the year. So, you know, it's like this is something we can fix. We can put a hook by the front door. You can hang the keys there and you always know where to put them and where to find them and you've taken that that situation off your to-do list. You're not running around like a chicken with its head cut off looking for your keys. It's a problem that you've solved. And I wow. think that that you know, when we have a lot of stuff, we're constantly managing it. You know, I, I always say that my clients are the ones that feel like they, their stuff owns them. They don't own their stuff anymore. Yeah, and that's, that's when it becomes, 
Yeah, and that's and look. Is that a look, big occurrence? Like, is that quite common? People losing their keys and spending time every day looking for keys, just as an absolutely. example. Absolutely. Is it really? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really, you know, and these are people that are successful and have big jobs, and you know, just haven't put the systems in place to to make themselves successful. You mm. know, my grandmother always said, don't put it down, put it away. And it's such an old edict, but it, it makes sense. You know, you put something away where it belongs, but what we're up against now in modern life, modern day is we have so much stuff. It's never been easier to buy, Mm. right? You Mm. don't even have to leave your house, right? You don't have to. That's what the economy runs on. It's about encouraging us to consume more. And I mean, you look around it, it's our quality of living is great or greater than it's ever been, but there's so much unnecessary stuff in our lives that is perhaps just too much overkill. And you don't even have to go to get it, right? Let's say you wanted to, let's say you wanted to set up a fish tank. I want a tropical fish tank. You know, 10 years ago, you'd go out on a Saturday and you'd drive to the fish tank store and you'd buy all the stuff and it'd take you a day to set it up. Now you just you know, sit in your pajamas and order it on Amazon and there it is. And you don't, you're not even engaged in the process of it. So it's just so easy to buy and to fill and stuff is so cheap. It's so cheap now. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The, does that, does that make the emotional connection any, any lesser then? So it makes it easier to get rid of as well. If there's not that, cause you know, the process of going out there, searching, finding that, you know, beautiful dress, bed, whatever it might be. Um, you know, putting in the effort and the work, um, I assume would create a, a greater emotional attachment to things than by sitting on my computer at home and just ordering things at will. You know, it's interesting for some people that happens, but my clients, the people I call the shoppers, the ones who are, you know, obsessive online shoppers, there's you know, when you shop, they've done studies that when you order online, you get dopamine hits. Mm-hmm. So not dissimilar to gambling. Yeah. So in a weird way, it almost is a bigger attachment because you're like, oh, I saw that. I put it in my cart. I hit purchase and then it showed up at my door. And so you participate in this in this activity that gives you a big giant dopamine hit. So mm-hmm. people, you know, and sometimes they're easy to let go, but that doesn't that doesn't give them pause to look at their behavior about why so much is coming in. And yeah. we do so much more than we need. You know, think about when you travel, right? You go away for a week, you go on holiday for a week, you take a suitcase. You don't miss anything. You like go out to dinner, you look nice, you have a good time, you have the right shoes. You know, but somehow in our own homes, we think we need more, more, more. Mm, no, it's fascinating stuff. Is this um, this whole profession of decluttering, and is that something quite new? Has this always been around? And do you see it as a, a growing industry, a growing demand for people like yourself to, to help others? Uh, it is a very new thing. Um, I, you know, organizers, professional organizers who would come in and help you make your house look beautiful and get you the right bins and make your closet, you know, that's probably been around, people have probably been doing that for about 20 years or so. I mean, it's funny. I, I always joke that, you know, the organized used to, the organizers used to be your aunties, you know, my grandmother and her sisters in the farm culture would go to each other's house and help keep them organized. So it's definitely a profession that's come up with modern life. Um, and is, I think is organization often, similar to design, like interior design? Is there a link there? It can, yeah, it can. A lot of people who are organizers also very much work in that space. I right. don't. I mean, 
I think I have good taste and I'll tell you a bookshelf I think might work, but I'm definitely not an interiors person. Okay. But this, this decluttering aspect of it um, is really, you know, maybe in the last five, you know, 10 years, um, it's definitely, and I think that it's, I think it's going to keep growing. I think yeah. that, I think as people, I think a couple of things, I think as the baby boomers age out, um, you know, a huge part of my business is senior downsizing, helping people move from their lifelong homes to smaller or different kinds of residences. I do a ton after people pass away. I think that as that population that, you know, we, they, I've heard it called the silver tsunami as they start to change how they live, you know, their kids all are grown and have jobs. They can't take a week off to help them empty a house. Um, it's definitely, it's definitely a growing industry. Mm, yeah. Well, I know there's a big movement. I mean, the, the minimalism and essentialism, um, these are two big trends at the moment. And I think sometimes they're a bit too trendy for what they're actually um worth but uh there definitely is some, some value to that you know like it's like meditation you know it becomes trendy and people just do it for the sake of doing it rather than understanding why it's important um, absolutely and you know i think that i think that a lot of the tenets of minimalism are great um but i also think it's it can be it can dip its toes into something that just makes us feel bad about ourselves like oh i wish i would you know i should be a minimalist it's like no you should have a home that works for you yeah. you know that you and you and you and your family that it works for you and it's one person can't prescribe how everyone should live but i think that there is a lot of um, great stuff in there. I also am very conscious of, you know, the green movement and paying attention to the plastics we bring into our life. And, you know, I, somebody said to me the other day, and this was just a game changer, you know, when you throw something away, where's away? Like, where's all that stuff going? So yeah, you don't I, have to I'm, think about it when you bring it to your conscious attention and you, I did that just the other day. I don't know what I was doing, but I just looked at it and I thought, this is just amazing. Like, and that's just one person or one family, a household, um, you know, the stuff that they're throwing away, where does it actually go? Like, how do they manage all this and how are we going to continue managing all this? Yeah, it's, it's real. It's, we're not managing it very well. There's a giant plastic Island in the middle of the Pacific ocean. That's all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I'm hoping that with this book and this conversation that people are going to start you know, just being more accountable for their own behavior. Mm. We, you know, like stop getting straws at the takeout place, you know, stop. Like when you order something from Amazon, you look at all the packaging it comes in. Like, well, where does all that packaging go when you throw it in the trash bin? You know, it's so interconnected and that as we're bringing more stuff into our lives and as we're in a clutter crisis, what about all the remnants of it? You know, when you throw an old T-shirt away, where does it go? Yeah, in the yeah. La in the landfill. So I'm hoping that I'm hoping to help people make a connection with their own behavior, not only in their own relationship to stuff, but on a bigger a bigger level. Yeah, yeah. Well, it definitely has a role to play. So reading, I mean, I suppose for for people listening out there, who's your book targeted at, and what? What can they expect by reading it? What are the benefits of reading your book? 
So I would say my book is targeted towards anyone who struggles with their relationship to stuff. So it can be from someone who's like, I just have a really messy desk and I'm just not good about paying my bills to someone that, you know, my mother died five years ago and I still have all of her clothes hanging in my closet because I couldn't bear to get rid of them. You know, I deal with, uh, excuse me, I deal with divorce in it and death and downsizing. You know, I deal with, um, really the, the clutter that we're all dealing with. I don't talk about hoarding. That's a very separate topic. Um, and there's a couple great books out there, but this is really for those of us who are like, I just can't get on top of my stuff. I, you know, I can't put my clothes away. I can't get out of the, out of the door on time in the morning. Like my stuff is getting in the way of me living a successful, happy okay. life. So we've so got some it's stuff. Really, we've so got it's some, really for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone's got a lot of stuff. So we've got uh-huh. this stuff. Well, I, I wonder how how the heck we identify that. Because obviously there's going to be people that, you know, let's say um, you're a woman out there and you've got a, this big walk-in wardrobe but you just struggle to fit in that next pair of shoes, that dress. And you always, you know, when you're pulling out that, that bit of clothing from the rack, it's just hard to manage that rack. I absolutely agree that that person could identify that, hey, they have a they have a stuff issue. But majority of the people, I don't know, are they aware of this? And, and if not, how do we, how do they become aware without someone like yourself walking in there and saying, hey, I think you've got a, uh, a clutter issue here. We need to work on this. This is great. So, you know, I always tell people that one of the ways I describe clutter is a constant, it's the feeling of a constant to-do list. You've got to manage your stuff all the time. So I would say to people, you know, if you come home at the end of the day and you're not relaxed to walk into your kitchen and cook dinner, if you look at the counters and stuff's everywhere that doesn't even belong in the kitchen, or let's say maybe you can't eat dinner at the dining room table, you know, are there things in your bathroom that belong in another room. Like as you start to look around your house and it, it gives you just a bit of anxiety, a bit of stress. Um, it gives me the shits. I can tell you, (laughs) I hate walking into places where things are out of place and my own home. Um, I have to accept some of it because I've got two young kids and Mm -hmm. this and that. So there is a tolerance level that I've built to certain things, but man, I am really anal when it comes to things being out, out of place. And, you know, certainly the kitchen bench, there's stuff on that. I hate it. But I'm well, look, unique in that done, sense too. They've done so oh, – look, I'm, I'm on your side. Um, they've done so many studies about visual clutter and what it does to the brain. I mean that they did a study not that long ago that uh, people who lived in a very cluttered home were 70% more likely to be overweight – you know, women who live in cluttered homes are have much higher levels of cortisol, which is, mm. you know, makes us hold weight around our middles. I mean, they've just just shown over the brain only has a certain capacity. We just can't take so much in, um, and it has a great effect. It just has a great effect. So, people, I think the people out there that are listening, they're like, <coughs> excuse me, are like, you know what? This isn't working for me. Hmm. So you just have to identify them. You've just got to, you know, be self-aware, I suppose, in that sense and go, yeah, this is actually causing an issue in my life, this this clutter issue, wherever that might be. You know, are you, and, are you and a spouse fighting? You know, are you fighting over who does the dishes or who does what? Right. Are you having the conversation of like with your kids, you know, mom, where's my this? Mom, where's my that? 
you know, it's, there's something that's going to trigger people to know this is an issue. Okay. So where to next? Once we know that there's, there's an issue in our life, obviously we can call in the clutter busters like yourself and, and get some professional help. Um, but if I'm looking at, I guess, by reading your book and trying to understand my clutter issues, um, what do we look at? Or do we look at the emotional ties there first? Do we look at um, how best to manage it? Like what's the next steps? Well, that's the great thing about my book is that we take, I help you identify the emotional part components of it. So here, you know, you have one of these seven blocks or sometimes you have more than one. We identify them and then I give you really um, practical ways to move through them. Some, just some mantras to say, some ways to help you donate, where to get rid of the stuff, how some, you know, how to call in a little bit of help. It's a really, in addition to emotionally helping you identify what your clutter problems are, Mm. it's also a a practical guide. We take it room by room. I talk about how to deal with papers. I talk about how to deal with clothes, kids' Mm. toys, um, you know, and how to also, there's a lot about how to time manage this project. So it's not like here, just do this and off you go there. I can, I help you set realistic time goals, you know, for certain things, set a timer. It's re- there's a lot of really, really practical advice in here, which I'm super excited about. It's really doable. I've been doing this for 12 years with thousands of people. I know it works. Yeah, well, I, so- sound, I, <laughs> I sound like a TV commercial, but it really, you know, there's a reason I have a really successful business. This methodology works. Well, you're passionate. I can tell the passion in it. And I know when people are passionate about something, it's it's got to have some substance and value in it. What are the seven emotional blocks? Can you mention them? Sure. So the uh, clutter block number one is I call my stuff keeps me stuck in the past. So these are people who have a lot of like memorabilia, you know, old papers, newspapers, uh, trophies from when they were a kid or trophies from Uh when their kids were little things that kept keep them in the past. Yeah. Clutter block number two. Well, that's a good thing, isn't it? Like that, that keeping in the past. So I'll I'll just intervene here and and quickly touch on each of these points as we go. But the um, things in the past, I mean. You know, I, I I still know when I travelled in in Asia, I had collected a lot of these little trinkets and bits and pieces that are still in my drawers somewhere um, that I don't really use or take notice of, and they don't really. I don't think I'm holding on to them for any special reason anymore, um, other than I just haven't put them any in the bin or anything. But I mean, that's a memory of the past, isn't that good? Like to sometimes look at these things and be happy about these things. Yes. Absolutely. And I'm not saying to wipe the slate clean. I'm just saying that if all of a sudden your past is getting in the way of your future or your now, right? Like if you, you know, I, I went into a house the other day and the a bookshelf was just full of trophies from when their kids played Little League. Their kids are in their 20s, but then their books were sitting on the floor because they didn't have any room on the bookshelf. And I was like, well, this this trophy is just a participation trophy. This isn't even, it doesn't even have your kid's name on it. Like what memory does this evoke for you? So it's really about, you know, yes, you should of course keep memories, but if it's getting in the way of the now, is that healthy? Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, Yep. Yep. Stuck in the past. Clutterbox number two is my stuff tells me who I am. Uh So that's really about shopping and using our stuff to not feel lonely. You know, that's the, um, those are my women that buy every kind of beauty product out there because they think that that's, what's going to fix them and help them find the perfect guy. That's really shopping and using stuff to stuff their loneliness. Hmm. 
I guess, know, I mean, like, I guess hmm, we, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we often, well, we all identify with something and, and usually it's about how, how, how we appear and behave, consume that has an attachment to that identity. Um, I mean, are we at risk if we let go of things, of changing our identity? Should we be mindful there of how we approach that? Well, I think that, you know, I think that if you're using shopping to, if you're using buying stuff to, to not be lonely, in some ways, I think it's no different than overeating or drinking too much. You know, I think you're, you you know, you're, you're avoiding a real human interactions. Hmm. And so I just, and again, this is, this is, these are the, these are the, 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 the safety nets we put on. And I'm saying like, something's not working here. If you're, if you're shopping every night on Amazon and you come home and there's 10 boxes at your front door, which I see all the time, things really? are out of balance. Yeah, things crazy. are out of balance. Um, so clutter block number three, I call avoiding my stuff. And that is really just being a grown up. That's the people who don't open their mail. That's the people who don't pay their taxes. That's the people who don't deal with the business of being an adult and it'll catch up to you. It will always catch up to you. Avoiding my stuff. Um, that's just not taking responsibility for our lives, then, is it? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it, it's like you have to open your mail. Like half of it's junk. You put it in the shredder. That's fine. But how, you know, you got to open your mail. You're choosing to participate in society open your mail, but people want to avoid it. They just don't want to deal with it. And then of course it snowballs and becomes this giant, giant problem. I mean, I've had plenty of clients where I'm just hired to come in and open six months worth of mail. So what's the emotional connection there? Like why are we avoiding the responsibility of like a simple example of opening our mail is because we've got too much clutter and we just can't be bothered on those things because, you know, we're just too busy. usually, Usually there's a bad decision somewhere along the line. Usually there's you know, something that they, you know, they didn't pay a bill and now it's gotten out of control. So they think if they don't open the bill, they won't see it. You know, there's usually some, some sort of, sort of ba- yeah. And, you know, I always say like, look, nothing, the dealing with it is that's not, nothing's going to be worse than this terrible feeling you have of just staring at this stuff all the time. So it's like, you got to just confront it. You know, it's, it's a bit like someone once told me about having a difficult conversation with a person. You know, they said the hardest part is starting the conversation. You know, usually once it gets going, it turns out to be not as difficult as you thought. So it's the same thing. Like you just got to open it and you got to confront it. Mm, Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, clutter, clutter block number four. Yeah. My fantasy stuff for my fantasy life. So this is, this is my, these are my people that, you know, that they buy, they decide they're going to become a scuba diver. And so they buy everything for scuba diving and then they never go scuba diving. You know, all this stuff is taking up a bunch of space. And they're like, well, someday, someday I fancy myself a scuba diver. This is also the people who keep clothes in their closet for, um, well, when I lose 10 pounds or when I back down to that size, you know, they're not, their stuff isn't representing where they are now. It's a fantasy life down the road. Right. Yeah. Let us get caught up in that. Yeah. A lot of us do. That's, that's especially around sort of health and well being too. The joke I always make is, you know, I'll go into a client's house and I'll see, <clears throat> I'll see a giant treadmill in, in the bedroom. And I say, Oh, do you use this every day? And they go, absolutely. I hang my clothes on it. You know? So it's this fantasy that you're going to become a runner and you don't ever do it. 
Yeah. I mean, I've, I've just bought a pair of rollerblades recently so I could rollerblade with my daughter, who's seven. Um, and I guess that's partly because I want to be that role model and, and do those activities with my kids. There's a, there's a link there, I'm sure, between fantasy ideal of who I want to be as a father, but um, it's not getting used as much as you know I thought buying them. Uh, and that could just be laziness or not time uh, on our side, but it could be a case of now clutter as well. Yeah, exactly. If you got, if it finds out that you're like, oh yeah, we're not doing this, then that's, that's when it moves into becoming clutter. You know, if you once a month or twice a month, you guys get out there and rollerblade and get to spend some time together. That's amazing. But if sort of a year goes by and you haven't used them, then they become clutter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, clutter block number five is I'm not worth my good stuff. So the, this is a real, really about self-worth. This is the people that have the beautiful China, but don't use it, who have the, the nice clothes, but yet they only wear sweatpants and a t-shirt. It's about having nice things and feeling like you're not worth it. And, you know, I always say, if not today, when, you know, yeah. we, you know, I just lost a very good friend recently unexpectedly. And, you know, you just think it could all go away tomorrow. Wear your nice blouse, you know, wear the nice cashmere sweater, eat on the nice China. Like, what are you saving it for? So I never understand that, like the plastic over the tables or the chairs, you know, like. Yeah, exactly. Like, why do you want to be uncomfortable? You bought this nice thing and then you're going to put plastic over it and be uncomfortable. Like, it doesn't make sense. Right. And, you know, and that's a great thing that you bring up too, is, you know, people, our homes and our stuff, they're tools. Ultimately, they're tools to make our lives run smoothly. So a couch is not an investment for the future. A couch is to sit on and enjoy time with your family. And so I think that we have imbued this meaning that stuff has this value and we're going to make money off of it someday. It's like, no, it's a couch. You sit on it and you enjoy it. It's a tool. So that's an emotional attachment to our our self-worth. We don't think we're good enough to use the good things that we buy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, clutter block number six is trapped with other people's stuff. So this is really, you know, the inheritance issue, people being left housefuls of furniture that they can't ever use, um, you know, things that people, gifts that people have given them that they are, they don't want, but they think, oh, they gave it to me. I can't possibly give it away. This is the burden of other people's stuff. And this one's an intense one. I mean, people are really, really just trapped under it. I've gone into so many homes where, you know, I see all this, or, you know, a garage, like their cars parked on the street and the garage is full of all this furniture or worse, they're paying for an offsite storage. And I'm like, well, why aren't you using it? Well, I don't like it. Well, then why aren't you getting rid of it? Well, it was my grandmother's, but you don't like it, but it was her, you know, it's just that someone else's, you know, where people say, well, she spent a lot of money for it. Well, that was her money to do with what she wants. It's not, you don't live the way, you don't wear the clothes she wore. You don't eat the food she eats. You're allowed to evolve. So that one's, that one's tough because that also comes with a lot of family lore. Oh, this is worth a lot of money. You know, I call it the antiques roadshow, um, uh, issue that people think, Oh, I'm going to sell this and make a million dollars. It's like, no, it's a dining room table. Use it and enjoy it or let it go. Yeah, yeah. The things come to mind for me is like the uh, Christmas cards or birthday cards. Um, you know, the guilt of throwing them away after you received them. And I'm a big person that I don't believe in giving cards um, mm-hmm. because they are just something that go 
pretty much. They're nice, I guess, but, you know, I just don't get it. Um, oh, yeah, I'm really big on that. I'm like, other people's Christmas cards, with like, you don't need to be your dentist family's historian. You know, January 6th, those go in the bin. Like, you do not need to hang on to that. That is not... You know, you're not going to 20 years down the road go, what was my, well, there's my dentist. He said, you know, he just, I'm with you on that one. Mm, And then the clutter block number seven, uh, is the stuff I keep paying for those. This, these are the people that overpaid for something, bought something that was really expensive, um, and can't let it go because they paid so much. And it's like, yeah. well, you know, you the keep... investment factor. Yeah, exactly. And it's like sometimes we just make a mistake. Like sometimes you just bought something like hanging on to something that you paid a lot for that you're not using. That's taking up space in your house. I really see this come up with people who have outside storage units who are renting storage space for something they paid a lot for. And I'm like, well, you understand you're still paying for it every month. Like Mm. you're keep just dumping more and more money. And you know, this is a big one. Um, and it's, it's a real, it can be very confronting for people to just go, all right, I paid too much. I got to let it go. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an, it's really interesting because what people don't realize is they think once, Oh, once I bought something, I'm done paying for it. No, no, no. You have to pay to store it. You have to pay to maintain it. And eventually you're going to have to pay someone to take it away. So stuff still keeps costing us money. Yep. Yep. Wow. They're interesting uh, insights to, yeah, why we're, why we're holding on to stuff and the reason why we can't let go. What are some, and I, look, I, you just mentioned something before about storage, you know, the storage mm-hmm. industry, that's getting bigger and bigger. People needing more space to store stuff and now going outside their properties to, to store their stuff. Um, which is- oh, it's absolutely. I mean, in the United States, I mean, it's some crazy number, like a $100 billion business. I mean, it's just, and I'm telling you, I have been in lots of storage units and I have never been in one where anybody is, uh, what's in there is worth more than they've been paying, paying to store it. Never, never. I mean, I'm in there. I've been in ones where they're paying, you know, two, $300 a month and it's full of Ikea furniture. I'm like, you could have bought this four times over. (laughs) Funny. Um, a serious problem, but let's, uh, take it for that. What are some hacks? Like there's a hack that I, uh, think, um, is a good one. If you haven't used it for the last three months, get rid of it. Um, are there any quick practical tips you can give to someone with clutter issues that we might help them just go, yep, that's true. Haven't needed it for that period of time. Toss it away. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, you know, uh, I mean, a quick one is don't go more than three days without opening your mail. Just don't every three days. If you haven't gone three days, uh, you know, open, open your mail. Um, uh, you know, I also tell people, this is a great one for clothes. If you you going through your closet, if you saw this in a store again today, would you buy it again? Yeah. yeah. You know, so many women are like, oh no, I never wore it. I would never buy it again. I'm like, then why are you hanging on to it? Um, and the book has a lot of those great little quick hacks that uh, will help people in the moment. No, it sounds great. Look, I want to encourage the audience to pick it up, so I'm going to stick a link of the book in the show note. The book's title is Making Space Clutter-Free, the last book on decluttering you'll ever need. So the link will be in the show notes, guys, so check that out and use the link there to support the show. Tracy, how can people best reach out to you and find out a bit more about what you do? Uh, 
absolutely. I'm really easy to find on social media, um, on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Tracy McCubbin, M-C-C-U-B-B-I-N. And then tracymccubbin.com is my website. I've got a fantastic uh, newsletter to sign up for and the book drops on June 4th. So I'm really excited for that. Sweet. as I'll, I'll stick a few of those links in the show notes too, guys, so check it out at thehiddenwild.com. Tracy, thanks very much for coming on and sharing. Great. Oh, it was lovely to talk to you. We just we got into it. I love it. That's awesome. All right, guys, check it out, thehiddenwild.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwide.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Martin until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon